Welcome to Fur What It's Worth, an introduction to and exploration of the furry fandom. And now, one fool, one sound engineer, and one guest spots who traveled to the world of horse fans. Here, in no particular order, are Tugs, Koru, and Haku. We went to Babscom. Like there was a, a curmudgeon couple in the uh, in the bar on Sunday night, and they're like, "Oh my God, they they're watching these shows, and they're from I don't know where they're from. I, I honestly, England, Australia. I know, shoot me. I know they're distinctly different, but." They're like, uh, uh, it's so wrong on so many levels, these adults watching this little pony show. It's like, and I looked at them and I was like, you know, there were like 7,000 people that showed up. Like, 7,600. No, the official number was... 2,600. No, from what Sonia said in the closing ceremonies, there was 7,000 people. No. No. All right, well, let's back up a bit. So, you know, people don't normally hear you. On the show, right. so uh, how how was the how was the con for you? It was good. It was uh, I to compare to last year. Um, I really didn't do too much stuff because I mean, as far as you were saying, okay. So this year was a little bit different. Um, I didn't have as much time to go to panels because I was working at staffing uh, various. Uh, get-togethers, as well as uh, staffing the con itself. So I was actually con staff this year. Um, didn't do much as far as the staff goes. Um, I was basically given a badge as general staff, so wherever anybody needed me, uh, they could use me. But I never got a text or phone call or anything uh, from that team, so... Taking a little bit extra time to um, staff uh, various events as well as the con itself. And not an opportunity I had last year, but didn't really do too much staffing for the con, more or less working for the show, making sure everything was set up, making sure the interviews got heard properly, obviously. But um, yeah, I mean, compared to last year, it seemed exactly the same. I was just, I had a little bit more on my plate, which was fine. There were, it kept me busy. Okay, so the pertinent facts. There were 2,648 official attendees. Then what was Sonia saying on closing ceremonies? There was like 6,000-something. There were 6,000 people watching the premiere. Oh. Worldwide. And That's it? <laughs> yeah, that because is not she's, it. she's Discovery. That is not uh, it. <laughs> like millions, maybe. Mil- not even. Oh, yeah. Not even. Dude, it's ponies. There are not a million bronies. I'm sure, well... No. Considering there's like 8 billion people in the world, I'm sure less than 0.1% of them are going to be brodies. Sure, yeah, that's that's about right. 2,000 people is less than 1%. Right, that's good math. It is less than 1%, isn't it? Well, 1%... I didn't say 1% of, I said less than 1%. Right. So, enough about math, because math is hard. Zeros. Let's let's cover the pertinent facts. So it was April third to the fifth. It was over Easter weekend this year. Twenty six forty eight people attended, and there were I can't remember. I think there were eighty something events. Don't quote me on that. Even though I put the tweets together, so they drafted me for staff this year. Full disclosure. So I ended up helping with the press and media side. So I got to meet a lot of the pony fandom press, the horse press. 
Yeah. I like how it's horse. Not like pony, but horse. Uh, and so that was cool. Uh, a lot of furry overlap. Uh, I had a good time. It was fun. Uh, I got to meet a lot of the uh, guests based on what I was doing. And all super nice, as you will find out once we play the clip you're all waiting for, mm-hmm. which is Kathy's interview. Uh, so some homework and housekeeping we have to give to you is we originally were scheduled to meet with Tara Strong. In fact, we were scheduled. We were scheduled for Sunday morning, and it didn't work out. It, uh, well, it turns out that she had to go do Passover things, and so Tara had bailed uh, to go be with, <coughs> excuse me, to be with her family, I, I guess. Uh, so that didn't work out, and unfortunately, Peter he, New is Peter New, and Peter Nude. He had to eat. How does that... There should never be a verb. Peter nude. Peter nude? <laughs> no. He Peter nude all over the place. No. <laughs> no, that just sounds terrible. You know what's terrible is that like all these people I met are probably listening and they're like, oh yeah, totally. Pro-. And then they listen to the show and they're like, oh, what horrible and, people. And it's really cool too because I had an amazing opportunity to just hang out with these people. All of these people, every single one of them, super nice just super great to hang out with and it just completely blew my mind like there really wasn't one person who was that uptight oh well yes i'm the director of the show you shall worship me kind of mentality uh even tara herself that's hasbro's mentality isn't it uh i don't know i never i didn't meet hasbro Uh, Hasbro, Hasbro, how are you man Hasbro did not show up for me to speak to them so a funny story about hasbro Oh, yeah. Um, so the con had the big signature event this year, which was the season five premiere of the show, which I went and ate bacon for. Because uh, I'm not a brony, but, you know. I didn't watch it till Sunday. And uh, Hasbro um, has established a reputation for becoming a little more controlling of their property, as well, is their right. Well, of course. So they kept changing the time up until literally, like, the hour before the con book was printed. Yeah. Um, but they had so many people. They filled the full ballroom and two overflow rooms, plus people who were watching in other places, not officially. Yeah, didn't they open up, like, the entire cons, like, the entire event space? Yes, and they still overflowed. Yeah, and they they went to a second showing. Yeah, they did. They did do a second showing. They did do a second showing. The second showing, though, was during the time where I got autographs from some people's. So that was cool. So I didn't go to that, but I did I did see it while I was there. It was just a day later, so which t- was fine. We touched on it last year, but so there are some different things that go on at a pony con, for instance. There's an autograph room, because furries don't have corporate overlords. We don't really have a lot of celebrity, therefore we don't have a lot of autographs. There are. There's just the celebrities are really, really high-end celebrities, like Jim Cummings. You know, I, I right, can't really that, see him going to Colin. a furry con. Or he has, Mer- he has. There's Maurice LaMarche, who has actually worked uh, Patch, a friend of ours. He was on the first video games episode. Uh, yeah. Um, so Patch was. But he actually did some work with Maurice LaMarche, and which I thought was really cool. Like, he got to meet him. He, he got to actually do voice acting with him. Yep. Which was super cool. So Oh, yeah. There they're, were, there they're were some there events like that. Over the furry fandom. They're there. Uh, the you know the point is though that they're generally going to be very very well up and you know more famous, well known. Not famous, but um, 
they they're more and they have more crowd control concerns shall we say yeah uh which is cool like Tara Strong I mean Tara Strong is up there I mean her IMDb filmography is what four yeah I think it's like four or five things she's not she's done too much but right yeah Yeah, four or five things a a day (laughs) she eats and acts pretty much (laughs) three jobs a day she's her 61 is six jobs Two mm-hmm. rests and one meal. <laughs> well, I wish we could have asked her. So, uh, this, the signature events. Uh, they had the ping pong with Kathy Westlock. Uh, I totally missed I didn't that. Miss, I missed it too, but I heard people had a good time. Um, I, in speaking with her, I know she had a fun time with it. They had uh, GM Barrow read to kids. What does that mean? Uh, arm wrestling. Arm wrestling. They had Dusty Cat, the world's manliest brony. Having an arm wrestling competition. Oh, yeah, someone got injured from that. Yeah. Nice. So people were getting injured, as is appropriate. And Dusty Cat, again, super cool guy. Um, I would like to extend a thank you for Dusty Cat. Um, And, uh, yeah, the guy who got hurt, it wasn't very bad. He strained his shoulder or his arm. The guy who got injured was a very... It looked like the guy works out. I mean, he was a super... You know, just, he was cut. He was cut, for sure. And for him to be injured by Dusty, which who also really is, and it's like... Yeah, doesn't he practice lifting his beards every night? His beards? Beers. Oh, that too. <laughs> no. I lift my cores every night. Uh, no, 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 no. He's way more... Oh, no, no you're right. He's Sorry, he's more... Bud Light. Oh, jeez. No, Dusty's cool. Uh, and... So we had an arm injury. Uh, there was the children's track. There was the... Oh, the video game room had a Fighting His Magic Machine. That was cool. They actually had... A full cabinet. We, should, we have to be clear cabinet. on that. Yes. Yeah. They had a full cabinet Fighting His Magic uh, Machine. And, of course, it was on all the consoles. They had a full sit-in, um, like, full wraparound view uh, race car simulator, which was really cool. 200cc? Uh, and a little bit more than that. It was uh, NASCAR. Because it would be PP because ponies. It was like NASCAR, but there were ponies in, in the cars instead of like... What? Dale Earnhardt or... Whoa, 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 whoa. Or Rusty N- Wallace. NASCAR? Or... Like NASCAR cars, but ponies were driving them? Well, NAS pony. NAS pony. Pony car? Up. Pony car? Horse car. Horse and car. Horse car. There you go. Horse car. Horse car. No, really. I just never thought that I'd see the redneck... Not redneck, but traditionally redneck sport crossover. Hillbilly? It was there. No. Well, that's how it started out. I mean, the NASCAR started way back in the day from yeah, bootleggers. Well, I thought that was because um, they were turn learning how to turn left and couldn't stop. No, it's because cars went faster than ponies. <laughs> Isn't it a little ironic that a horse would be driving a car? That's not important right now. <laughs> so, you know, it was good. It was good. Uh, a shout out to... The staff for letting us go and do our thing in addition to working for him. I went to one panel. Which panel did you make? I went to the Paper Ponies panel. Oh, yeah. Give them a shout out. That was Which cool. was really cool. It was a panel. I've never had to pay to go to a panel. But for anybody who knows Paper Ponies, they do the 3D art. They do the... Um, paper craft, right? Paper craft, right? But in a shadow box. And with you paid 15 bucks. And they're doing this right now at... There's another PonyCon going on, and they've done the BronyCon. But you pay your $15, and you go in, and you actually get to 
make your own shadow box uh, with a pony. So uh, the one that I did was Golden Gates, who was one of the con mascots. There was three of them. There was Golden Gates, Silver Span, and Copper Chip. And I chose Golden Gates because she was the most, I don't know, the most colorful, I guess the most well-known. But uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun doing that. It's on my Twitter. Um, it's probably now about 10 or 15 tweets back, but it's on there. You can see the one that I did, and I'm super proud of it. And they are super awesome people. That's uh, Amber and Guy's name. I forget his name. Guy's name. Good job. It's, Good job. Super but pro. Amber was really cool. I mean, I talked with her. I got her picture, um, which we may have up on the website uh, at her table. And yeah, she was super cool. And she helped me out through the whole thing. And it was just, it was a whole lot of fun. Sweet. So I would recommend Paper Ponies. And I'll definitely be doing that the next time. So we wanted to see if bronies are furries. I got a lot of yes and no's. I did ask. It wasn't... Yeah, so tell us about your extremely scientific poll. How did you ask the so, question, sir? I've asked it to numerous people. I've, I've asked it to both bronies and furries alike. At the con? At the con. And? I spoke with the con chair for further confusion next year. Yeah, talked to the uh, chair, and it wasn't directly her... What was her name again? Latte. Oh, yeah. Super Chai Latte. Yeah. yeah. So I spoke with her, but it was mainly the, the guy who was with her at the Furcon table. I forget his name. Was it Groggy? Superbeard. Not Groggy. I know what you're talking about. Okay. Superbeard. And he had a very strong uh, distinction that bronies are not furries. Like, they are two completely separate things. What? Which is fine. What was this reasoning? Uh, you know, that's why I wish I that I had it recorded. It was kind of like an impromptu, hey, what do you think of this? I didn't even think to record it. But, um... Good job. Well. And his reasoning was basically because uh, the furries are branded on their own characters. It's their own creations. Whereas bronies, even though there is a slight... Uh, bit of anthropomorphism that that it's it's a corporate you know it's a corporate it's a big house and we're the bronies are basically you know fans just like Trekkies and just like Star Wars just like Stargate or you know what animes or whatever we're there to because we're fans of a show because we're fans of a big corporation versus fans of something that we create ourselves. Mm, I couldn't see that. I, I, after talking to people, um, I don't think we're mutually exclusive fandoms. I think we, because uh, we have people who like Robin Hood and Bolt and pick a Disney cartoon. Robin Hood. That's what I just said. Uh, <laughs> I just have to say it again. Oh, okay. Fox and the Hound. Yeah, but... Not so much anthropomorphism. But Disney doesn't own us, you know? Right. Uh, IMVU does. But people... Yeah, that's right, IMVU does. <laughs> um, but people are creating their own little horses. Yeah. Their original characters. That I have my OC. To, right, but just because... You have your OC. 
I do. I do. I have. Oh yeah, someone made me one. Um, <laughs> no, but the thing is, is that's what Fergus is about. It's all OC, but you can use templates. So I don't know if I fully agree with his with his decision. Maybe at the root, there's there's definitely a different part. But I don't know, on its face, if if the show died tomorrow, after all the crying was over, that we would probably absorb them. There would still be pony cons separately, but we would definitely see an increased pony presence at furry cons. I've, I already see furry presence at pony cons. And the thing that... It's good that we have that bridge. It is. And, you know, you know going back to that, it, I see a lot of cosplay. And it's cosplay of characters from the show. Well, you sure. don't really see anybody cosplaying their own character. Sure you do. Fursuit. Well, yeah, there are fursuits. But I mean, as far as like your own pony character, you like you don't see some random pony costume, and it's like, oh, that's cool. Who is that? Like, if you role play in a pony costume, it's it's going to be assumed that it's you know somebody who's known to the show. See, I wonder if people do get suits of their own characters. And see, I would love to make my own hoodie. Except Not a hoodie, like a full, like a full, full hoodie, or yeah, even a full fursuit, but with. Mine, I would probably be confused as being Vinyl Scratch or Shining Armor. Armoire. Armoire. Shining Armoire. Right. Yeah, it's an anthropomorphic armoire. No. <laughs> because I Has like... he ever had a speaking line? He has, right? Who? Shining Armoire. Shining Armor? This is how much of a show fan I am, so has he? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Who did his voice? Um... Jim Cummings. The same guy who did Twilight pseudo wannabe boyfriend in the movie, um, Flash Century. I forget his name. Flash Gordon. He's not... He. I don't think he's gone to a PonyCon. I think maybe he has. He hasn't been to BabsCon. Was it James Earl Jones? No. <laughs> I want James Earl Jones to be a pony. William Shatner could. Like, sure, a lot of people could, but come on. Well, no, no, he imagine, t- imagine. He's tweeted. Yeah, I know. I could be a brony. I could be. Could. I could be. I could Maybe. Be. Which means he's not opposed to it. Which means there's plenty of people out there now going, okay, William Shatner's going to be voicing a pony sometime soon. Is he in the Canadian Union? I guess he is, huh? He's Canadian. That doesn't mean he's in the Canadian Union. I, I don't know. I know there's differences. I know there's... There's what the uh, Ameri- there's uh, well we need to fill the audience in on this so the show is produced My Little Pony is produced in Canada for the most part it's in Vancouver Van- uh, it's written in <laughs> it's written in Los Angeles but as far as the acting um, except for Tara but she is Canadian and in the Canadian Union it's done in Vancouver and American and, uh, she has a special thing no I think she's in the Canadian Union only she, she is she or she dual. Anyways, it doesn't you, matter. The point is, is for I, My Little Pony, you have to be in the Canadian voice actors guild. That's what I slash. wanted to ask her. Because she lives in the U.S., but she does a lot of voice acting. And she does voice acting for Disney, which I know Disney is not Canadian. Maybe she's transcended. Or she could be in a different guild entirely. That's true. That's, that's one of the things that I would like to ask her. Dear voice actors, please tell us. Right. <laughs> Anyway, um, so the point is uh, Shatner could do it because he's Canadian and I would expect he's in the Canadian Union but that's only because he's Canadian I'm making that guess. Could you imagine? No. Like a a James T. Pony? No. 
Uh, any other any other thoughts before we move to our, our grand gala event? No, I, it was a whole lot of fun. Cool. Just, I mean, with you know actually being there and getting to this year experiencing that time with the uh, guests of honor, the writers, the directors, the voice actors. Um, it, it was a little bit different. I mean, the con experience itself was the same, but I think I had a little bit more experience just because of that exposure to those people. So, to you people. To those people <laughs> that I mentioned. Yeah. Then there were comic book bars in there as well. Uh, Danny Ingram, who was there, he does all the uh, musical composition for the show. Not all of it. But uh, probably 99% of it. It was really good, and so it was a really good con. I had a lot of fun, and hopefully next year I can do a little bit more. I mean, as far as staff, because I don't mind running around. I get bored sitting in the hotel room not doing anything. Actually, what he does is he sits there and he just watches episodes on loop and cries and eats Cheez-Its and... American Singles. Yeah, craft singles. <laughs> and then he goes and makes some craft dinner with his craft singles. In the US it's called mac and cheese. Macaroni and, and he cooks and he mixes in a little spam and it's good. No, seriously, so before we go, um couple couple uh last minute things. One more shout out to the staff for letting us attend and do this interview. Uh special thank you to Kathy Westluck herself for giving us the interview and to everyone who made us feel welcome and we're happy to see that folks from other fandom could visit to support their fandom and we could all be friends but in all seriousness thank you so we will be going to our interview with kathy which we hope you enjoy and when we come back we will have our final housekeeping next show announcement etc etc Well, this is Tugs. I'm here at BabsCon, and I am here with our stand-in co-host, Haku, who was here last year. Say Hello, hi. entire fandom. How are you? <laughs> and we are sitting here with the wonderfully talented Kathy Westluck. Oh, thank you. Hello, everybody. She has uh, made a lot of you who know me personally, she's made a big impression on me, so I'm, I'm just thrilled that you could be here with us. And so we wanted to kind of get in your head a little bit. Um, as furries, we come up with our own characters. Uh, we don't have the corporate overlord, so to speak. We're cards <laughs> stuck to our arms all the time. And uh, so a lot of people create these characters visually, but they have a really hard time necessarily getting to that headspace or coming up with a voice. People have costumes, for instance. So um, we kind of want to touch on that. But before we do, we also want to see how you got there yourself. Maybe mm -hmm. someone has the same path. So what was the spark for well, you? Well, um, it's interesting because um, people do ask that question, that's a natural question to ask, and many people started when they were young and they, they had this as a vision and they wanted to become a voice actor. Well, for me, I did ha have actually a few areas of interest and voice acting did not dawn on me. 
So I was, um, and in fact, I got waylaid anyway into another area, which was not planned either. So I guess the moral of the story is, is that you put one foot in front of the other and do what you love, and the next thing you know, it comes to you. So that's what I feel happened. So what happened was um, I was uh, pursuing music, and what I wanted to do is because I was torn between uh, doing sociology uh, or something psychology, sociology-based, becoming a professor or a psychologist or something in that ilk, um, but I also had a love for music. So I thought, well, why don't I combine music with something meaningful? So if I get my Bachelor of Music degree, then I can be a composer, and why don't I do film and TV documentary, which has meaning, and be a composer for it? So this was my you know, youthful thinking at the time, um, and decided to just start somewhere. So when I got my Bachelor of Music degree, through that, I was invited to join a, um, actually I pursued it rather than was invited, but I realized there was a co-op program uh, in the radio music department of CBC, which is the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, and I thought that would be a good experience for me to get training. That led me to a co-op program for two years in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, which then got me to Vancouver, BC, and I met the host of the show there. And while I was uh, being an associate producer for a radio music program, he was the host, on the side, he said to me, you know, you've got a really nice voice. Have you ever thought of doing uh, commercials, cartoons, like voiceover? And I said, no, I haven't. <laughs> and he said, I think you've got a good voice. And he says, you play around a lot, do crazy voices in, in, you know, at work. You should try it. So I said, okay, sounds like a good hobby. So he offered to put together a demo with me uh, through another studio he worked with. And I tried my luck, and I started to get commercials. And then I got a cartoon show. And I thought that was cute and fun and that would be the end of it. So then um, the other part of the long story, which I'm trying to make short, is that <laughs> he basically uh, encouraged me and it kind of died for a short time and I thought I would go get my master's in psychology or sociology and as soon as I applied, boom, I got three cartoon shows at once and it was just, it just went on from there. What's this thing we heard about a mall? You did something for the mall? Yeah, oh. Vancouver Center Mall. That was my first... Uh, I did 21 um, commercials, they were small, for Van Vancouver Centre Mall for Christmas time, and that was the first thing I did. And he said, you do cuckoo voices, why don't you do some elves and stuff for us? And I said, are you kidding me? And he goes, no. I said, that sounds like fun. So I did a lot of this stuff, and I did a lot of this stuff, and stuff like that. <laughs> and oh, I did this voice, and everything like this, and oh, an older lady, and uh, you know, this kind of crazy stuff. So I did multi-characters, and that was my first job. Very cool. Yeah. Um, what were some of the highlights uh, of the, all the roles you've had? What have been some of the most uh, interesting highlight roles you've had or anything particularly challenging for you? Well, um, yes, there is, there is interest in the challenge and there's also interest in the ones that, I, that speak to my heart the most. So um, I would say, uh, well, one of, the sh one of the characters that I did was a, a role uh, called Cyber Six um, and she was a human being who was part, well, part cyber and part human. And um, I really enjoyed that we, that was actually in 99 when we did that. My voice hasn't really changed. Um, but anyway, she was part cyber and part human. And the reason I loved that show was because it was more of a drama. And in a day, it was really uh, developed and meaningful compared to some of the other things that we'd done. Like it was more in depth. So um, that was, uh, Cyber Six was one of the, the first things. And it was very European in its animation and et cetera. Um, of course, I love Spike to bits because he's just so cute. And, uh, but I've done other things. I was quite a cartoony actor back in the day, whereas now, you know, I do a lot of real stuff. I do boy voices um, and other things as well, but it's really shifted. So when I get a challenge where I'm playing a, 
cute voice or something. Well, you know, this could be a big uh, school marm or, you know, this person was at, worked at the fish market, you know. Uh, that's always fun to do, stuff like that. So when we have characters that are challenging, that's also interesting. Yeah, so a mix. So you wake up in the morning and you know, you know, you got to go to work because they've called you in. They want you to do some more, some more work. What, what's that process like? How do, you, how do you get ready to be in character? Uh, well, first of all, the, the business is really unpredictable, so we don't really know what's coming up day to day. Um, and when it comes to being in character, um, that process um, is not so elaborate when you have done it for a long period of time. When you're starting out, there is a real process. You voice warm-ups uh, help. Um, and, uh, you know, practicing more than you normally would probably, that's kind of thing. Um, for me, if I'm going to be doing a character um, that may be Spike, uh, boy voice, or something that's a little bit more challenging where I'm taxing my throat or I'm using a rounder voice, then I will warm up a little bit, even if I'm in the car, you know, I'll, I'll warm up a little bit before I get there. Interestingly enough, if this is very strange, if I want a warm voice for narration or a real human being drawn character that's just a woman, like a, a serious character, then what I'll do is I'll goof around in, in Spike's voice, which is a higher register, and I'll scream in it or I'll yell in it or I'll be very active. And what that does is it then, when I'm finished, it just makes my normal voice even deeper. So if I'm in the middle of the day, as opposed to nine in the morning when my voice is low, that can help me retain that range somewhat. I'm just imagining you walking up to you going, yeah, I acted today. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there are days when you wake up and you're like, oh, I've got my narration voice. It's right there. And then three o'clock comes around and you're like, oh, it's thinned out a bit. You know, so you have to kind of work it, you know. So you learn to also work with the microphone, too. You learn techniques and you just get used to it being there. Yeah. So, so I actually have a question. Um, I think it's funny because you did Gen 3 Rarity. Mm -hmm, yes. And now you're Gen 4 Spike, who just absolutely adores Rarity. I know. <laughs> but of course, they're completely different entities. Right. When I did Gen 3, um, Rarity was a baby pony, a little, not a baby pony, but a little pony. Um, Spike's a baby dragon. And sh her whole premise was to, um, she was responsible for the Rainbow Festival. And she was playing around, I'm trying to even remember, but she was playing around with uh, a wand and she magically disappeared. She didn't know how to use it, so she disappeared into another land. And um, I think I'm trying. I'm trying to remember her voice. Well, this was kind of a, it was rarity like this, so it's kind of a girl, but it was kind of more in the spike thing. Oh, I just want to play with flowers, and I just want to kind of do what I want to do. I don't know that it's Rainbow Festival. Can I just play with the flowers? So it was very innocent and, and naive, and, and 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 so was Spike. But one's a girl, one's a boy, and it's rarity. That's a mind twist, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I'm sure you get a lot of questions about like how does one get into voice acting and all that mm. sort of stuff. Um, but what what are some of the things you've learned in your career about what not to do? Like maybe some mistakes you've made or the things along that. Ilk? What not to do? Well, th that's a very big question, so I'm going to have to answer that briefly, I guess. But um, like the top three things you shouldn't do. Well, you don't want to be pesky. You don't want to keep bothering um, clients. Now, if you have an agent, that wouldn't happen. Um, but some people who are brand new, who are looking for agents or they have an agent, they're always asking, what should I do? Should I do this? Should I do? You know, um, some people can like actually go to the clients and want to get to know them personally and things like that. That's a big no-no, actually. Um, but what not, also what not to do, it's more like what to do, I think. But what not to do is um, uh, probably overtax yourself, too. 
because a lot of the time, um, or to think that you're, uh, uh, to block yourself from being directable. I think sometimes we're determined to do a voice a certain way, and what we really need to do as we become more veterans is listen more and try to uh, take from the pros or casting people their, their information and direction as to how we can improve. Um, so going it alone is also not a great thing. I think it's important to get an agent eventually um, because you cut through a lot of work and you also get a better perspective from people who are in the business because you really get um, tunnel vision thinking that you know what you're doing when you really don't. When I did the boy voice at the beginning, I thought, oh, I was doing this fantastic boy voice. And a friend of mine said, no, Kath, actually, that's a female crow. You're not really doing a boy. It's not a boy at all. What? <laughs> so you need somebody to tell you. So professional workshop is helpful. And also to eventually get a good agent. You have to start somewhere. So you have to uh, be patient and be honest about how you sound. I, th I think with uh, with almost any any job, it, you, you can't take any job alone. You always need someone else's feedback and learn from others and that sort of thing. So that makes a lot of sense. Really. Yeah, and the other thing about that too is like um, people are very nervous at the beginning, but of course you are. I mean, any job you're going to be nervous until you've done a good six months. I mean, confidence uh, only comes with time and when there are no more unknowns. You know, versus I think if you're confident, you know, if you think you're confident when you're young then or when you're doing something for the first time that's more arrogant possibly because confidence really true confidence comes with finally feeling comfortable with what you're doing and there are no more unknowns so now you're confident you're relaxed i think that's more the definition so we we've kind of talked about animated voice acting and you've done video games as well and mm -hmm. i know video games are a bit of a different beast Mm -hmm. um, and I now I imagine it's always like you got to say the same thing five different ways, and then they you know they put it in based on whatever the character is doing on the screen. But what what is it like as far as like is how is the script different, how are the takes different, that sort of thing? Um, the video game world is uh, is different in its um, the script actually um, because they they work in shorter sound bites, so um, you'll see a script that that has your character, <clears throat> and then they'll just be. Uh, single separate lines of that character being in different situations. So they're often action-oriented because uh, usually with a video game we are actually being the avatar uh, that you might choose and so it's like eat my dust or whatever you know and so you do that three different ways when you're auditioning uh, or even when you're working. So you're doing shorter lines and you're giving them options like maybe three options per line uh, and then they choose. Um, sometimes we actually go into the studio that is a gaming studio or a gaming company um, and sometimes we go into the usual studios but usually it's we, we actually go to the gaming company so the lines are shorter um, they're more specific in the actions that they want and we usually do three runs of each line mm -hmm. I, I love the videos um, I know you haven't done Mortal Kombat for instance but there was a behind the scenes video and they're just in the sound booth and they have to do the I'm getting punched screams and, oh yeah and, and I, yeah <laughs> from the outside I just I giggle I'm like oh man I don't I don't know what it's like in their head I'm got, I'm laughing in, out here I'm, I don't know if they're laughing in there is that the sort of thing you you just kind of lose yourself and just laugh after a while or well we do it so often that we just we don't think about that anymore. I mean, if we flub, you know, or we gack, um, you know, then we're, then we're laughing going, oh gosh. But um, the other thing too about that is that um, we have to do, we, we call it sort of short, medium, and long. Um, it, that's not necessarily the case in video game, but in a, in a prelay primetime cartoon series like My Little Pony, there's always uh, a day where at the end of the session, 
we have to do what we call WALA, which is reactions and background sounding. So, well, WALA, I, I should re rephrase that. No, WALA is crowd, crowd uh, uh, voicing when you're together in, well, in a session. I almost spilt my water and for she listeners. The interview I did. Right <laughs> um, but what um, what we do when we're doing um, we do, we do a library. It's called it's a walla library, which basically means they want a short, medium, long line of an action, a reaction. So we go down an entire list: coughing, laughing, uh, exertion, you know, punching, jumping, uh, running. And we do short, medium, and long. And that's a library for every main character in the cast so that when they come to post and they want to, they need something that's not there, they can go to that library and just put that sound effect in. I'm so having our narrator do that. Hmm? Our, narr our narrator, actually our narrator is Canadian, our announcer, I should say, for the show. Um, and I, now you've just given me the answer I've been waiting for. I'm like, sometimes I just need him to make this noise. <laughs> and I, you know, I don't want to hit him up for that one off. Like, hey, can you do this? So that yeah. makes sense. I might, I might borrow from the professionals. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, it's insurance. It's an insurance thing, and it makes sense because when when uh, animators are animating our voices, you know, sometimes there's a change, or they want a change in the what they're doing, and that might require a longer sentence, or just they might want to animate. If I if I voice Spike in a reaction, they may have an idea as to what his facial expression may be that might be funnier, and so if I didn't quite do that, they can actually go to the library and find something that suits it more. Has there ever been a, a, a sound effect uh, that, because I'm sure this is a daily basis, you do all these all the time. Are there mm -hmm. any that you can remember that are like, that's pretty interesting? Uh, anything that actually stands out as far as like a weird sound effect you had to do or a weird uh, reaction to something? Well, I'm, I'm the one that they often choose for whistling. Two, the two, the full on four fingers. <laughs> so when they need someone to go, what? It's usually <laughs> me who's doing that. Um, we all can do little silly sound effects and things like that, but uh, usually it's mostly crowd. Uh, Walla, where we're just ad-libbing lines and then we double up to make a bigger crowd. But I do have to whistle. Um, I can fake burp. <laughs> Things like that. It's very un-Canadian-like. It is. Very impolite, right? She we're such a lady. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> so so you, you have a musical background and, and you've mentioned that you enjoy singing. Uh, how does singing uh, differ from voice acting? Um, well, I'm not a professional singer uh, it was part of my course. I have done it. I have won in my early days the odd, uh, uh, you know, contest. Um, it differs and it doesn't differ, actually. Um, singing is very melodic. So uh, w when you're actually a performer, you do have to obviously mind clarity. You have to m mind consistency. But also you have to mind being in the flow or the mood of what's happening. So when I actually did the Gen 3 rarity, I had to sing in that uh, uh, video at the time and uh, it was kind of challenging because we she had to like like slip into the rose bush and she had to fall into the pond or jump up in the air and when you're singing you have to know based on I mean, that the director will help you what kind of flips and whatever it is that you're doing uh, when you're singing so if your animation's singing you have to mind those actions uh, so in a way that kind of singing is also combined with a little bit of acting if you're singing singing performing just a melodic song like a ballad uh, you still are connected with uh, the mood, I suppose, um, and have to make that something that connects to the heart, something that matches the words, the lyrics, and in tandem you get your product. I mean, I think that's why Equestria Girls, for me, I love that soundtrack, and I think Daniel hit the mark. I think there's a new girl band out there, everybody, um, <laughs> Every Pony. So, so it's similar. I mean, it's, um, 
it has to match the mood and the flow, and it has to draw people into what the point is of the piece. And acting does that too. Mm. So now we'll switch gears just a little bit. What do you know about furries? I know you know about them because of that, uh, th that stuff we were talking about before we were on. But uh, what do you know? I know that they're very fluffy. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that they're very tall most of the time. And I'm sure that they are sweating to bits inside their furry costume. I, had, I, I see the furries at the cons, and I know, I'm always wondering who is in there. That's the first thing I'm wondering. Is it a man? Is it a woman? And are they sweating to death? Because a lot yes, of the cons yes. are in the summertime, right? <laughs> yeah. And there's no air conditioning going on in there. But I, I, do, I don't know much about the furries whatsoever, except uh, the few that I've met. And um, I'm kind of awestruck, because I'm not sure if you are actually making your own costumes. Um, but it's a, it's a whole culture, isn't it? It is. Yeah, so I don't know much. I do. I, I make my own. Do you? Yep. That's incredible. Yeah. There, there are a group of people, um, just like, you know, there's artists out there that are known in particular fandoms that do that full time. Some people will do it as a hobby. Um, I have no sewing skills whatsoever, so <laughs> um, I had a suit and I retired it since, but um, that I had him do. <laughs> well, sorry, him. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, there, there, there are people who have gotten to professional levels. Um, there's a few people in Asia who used to do it or still do it professionally mm -hmm, for movie mm -hmm. studios and stuff, but they do it on the side as well. Are we able to ask how much one of those goes for? Yeah, of course. Uh, what is we the had cost a re of recent auction finish at, what was it, $7,000? That's oh, really high, though. That that's is really pretty high. high. Wow, um, that's but an uh, a typical first suite right now, a really high quality one is about $3,000. And it can, it can wow. vary. Fifteen hundred yeah. to three thousand yeah. um, dollars, depending on the height too, right? Yeah, depending on yeah. <laughs> my, mine's really height. expensive because yeah, yeah, yeah. you have to use all the there's a lot of the world on me. But uh, yeah, but spikes that could be like what seven fifty? Yeah, at least <laughs> yeah. Just little, you got like, the claws though. Like the claws are tricky, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. There, there's all sorts. Of, I see all sorts of different attempts at claws because there's all sorts of different variations on. Oh yeah, and like and, the mechanism that makes the fire blow out of his mouth. That's probably four grand, right? At least yeah. <laughs> the fire marshal really gets honest about that. <laughs> right. <though>. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> So have you had any interactions with any furries in the past, um, other than maybe right now? Well, just at the cons, yeah. I mean, I'm always fascinated by them, so I'd like to take the odd photo with them, but not in any further depth than that, pretty much. At the conventions, I see them, and I love to take the photos and, yeah, and hug well, you guys. <laughs> you're fluffy. I told you you're fluffy. So uh, is there any other one thing you wish you knew about furries? You can ask anything, anything. Well, I, I, I mean, I... I I think you've answered some of my questions because what I'm thinking about is how you survive in the heat. <laughs> I really do. Like you're in there for a long period of time, I would think. Uh, we have we have uh, lounges, fursuit lounges uh, at cons where we'll go out and be a character for let's, an hour or two, hopefully not, not much longer than that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's their choice. And we come back in and we'll take off the head and plop down in front of a huge fan and cool off how and then go you, back out and do it again. Okay. I'm asking the ultimate question. Okay. How do you wash those things? Oh, Tell me you do. Time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, most of the heads, have, most of the heads have to be washed separately. But most of the other gear can just be, depending on the suit and the construction, can be just thrown in a washer and just wool light and go. Well, do, do you do it on a regular cycle or a light cycle? I do it on a light cycle just to be a little overly safe, but it really depends on, on yeah. the construction. Some of the heads, because wow. of the foam and the yeah. glue, uh, you alcohol and, and stuff like that, because you can't you know jostle it around too much. But Is it toxic you, in there? 
<laughs> Hopefully not. You need uh, ventilation. It depends who's wearing the suit, I suppose. But most of the time, it's it's other than you know the obvious. I meant from the glue, not from the person. Uh, <laughs> honestly, the toxic glue might ex- explain the behavior of some of us. Uh, right. <laughs> well, it's admirable because you guys do an awesome job, and they they look very professional. Oh, cool! Yeah, mm-hmm. there there are some suits that have built-in cooling systems. Like there are going to be fans uh, inside wow. of the heads. And another wow. popular thing is uh, just cool suits. Basically, it's a vest mm-hmm. um, that you can put into the refrigerator or even the freezer, and you just have these cold packs. Wow, that like is a gel against your body. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, when I did a stint a long time ago as an alien on Stargate. This was years ago. I used to do some on-camera t- TV acting, not much, but he enjoyed loves it. Stargate. You yeah, were on Stargate? I, I was. I don't even remember which one it was now, but it was. I had a short stint as an alien, uh, and I remember that day. I'm relating it to the what we just said because we were freezing our butts off at Queen Elizabeth Park in Vancouver in April, um, and we had to be completely calm, as if we were, you know, etheric, and we were freezing our guts off. And then when we finally would pause. The crew would run over to us with these big parkas and give us those um, those gel packs that are the hot, for oh, your yeah, hand, the yeah. hand, warmers. Yeah, hand warmers. So that's the first experience I've had with warmers as opposed to something that's cooling. But, um, yeah, you know, it's, you try standing there and being completely still when you're shivering to bits. It's <laughs> a challenge. I'm going to have to look at that episode now. Cause I, <laughs> I, I love you do. I love Stargate. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I love Stargate. Like, there's, you know, Trekkies out there. Then yeah. there's people who like Star Wars. I like yeah. Stargate. Yeah. And I know uh, Peter New was also in an episode yeah. once as well. Was it the same episode? Oh, uh. No, no. Um, you know, <laughs> that, so much of those things blur. Like uh, 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 TV was, I still do television, but it's so on the side because I'm, I'm so busy with, with voice, all aspects of voice. Uh, and I do enjoy it, and there's different challenges. Um, but it is a different world. We don't have to memorize a thing in voiceover. Um, you find yourself in trailers when you're doing on-camera stuff. You can be anywhere at all at any hour. Um, the food is awesome, though, for catering most of the time. <laughs> but you are in the trailer for quite a bit of time, and sometimes if things go awry or if they have to change sets, you know, you can you can actually not finish or complete the day, and then you have to come back the next day because it didn't complete. So then you get paid again, but you're doing a lot of waiting sometimes. Um, so it's very, very different. But um, the, the, the challenge, I think, for on-camera is that you really have to memorize your lines, let go, so to speak, so that you can be natural in your performance. And when you're voice acting... You're not memorizing, so you have to have all that happening at the same time. You visualize rather than physically relate to each other in person. You, you, he, you listen to each other and then have to physically respond while you're standing still on the mic. So it's a different way of getting reactions. You're not in a physical situation. We, we, uh, we always ask everyone who comes on who's not from Insider Fandom the big question, which is... What animal would you be if you had to create a fursona, is what we call them right now? Oh. What what would it be? You can pick any animal you want. I don't know if it's cheating to use characters you voice. <laughs> no. well, the judges well, will allow it, I think. The judges, the judges I'll say allow they allow it. it yeah. You see, my multifaceted mind thinks of many animals for various reasons because there are there's beauty in like the gazelle is very fast and sleek, right? But then also I love birds because of of flying and soaring and the freedom aspect. I love the freedom aspect. Mm. I think all of us should feel, while most of us kind of feel trapped in our world sometimes, we're overwhelmed or we sort of get locked into a way of thinking and we feel kind of trapped, we really are all free, I think. We are, we kind of let ourselves get stuck in a mindset. 
So and and then we we feel confined when really we still have another option. We we just haven't seen it. So so birds are very freeing. Animals in general are very freeing. But uh, I think probably a bird of some sort. You can go hybrid. You could do a gazelle with wings. <laughs> That's true. It's I totally could. acceptable. Well, there's so many animals that. Um, I mean, dolphins are playful and beautiful. So, uh, you know, a dolphin might be another one, too. Those three. So the dolphin, bird, gazelle, uh, I think that's, uh, we have mm-hmm. that on record now. Someone, <laughs> someone will make someone it Someone usually sends art of this yeah, later. So, uh, yeah. We'll forward it along when that comes. Yeah. Apple. It'll wind up on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Probably, yeah. I'm going to get another uh, OCD, right? <laughs> so I have a, a friend who's actually a voice actor as well. I won't drop name drop, but you've heard of him. And he, someone sent him a letter um, and it was really meticulously written. There was some whiteout on it, and it was very blocky letters. And you could tell this person spent a lot of time on it. And it was, hey, hey, I liked you in this. I won't name it, but I liked you in this thing. Um, please send me stuff, blah blah blah, like and, and name some stuff. Um, and he was, and accompanied with this letter was this thing from the person's mom. It's like, hey, thank you so much. This person loves you in this video game. It took him three weeks to write this. He's soup. He's he's very autistic and very hard for him to write, and he took a lot of time in this letter. And my friend was actually like tearing up reading this letter. So I was wondering if you had any similar fan interactions of, of something that was really memorable for you. Yes, and you hit the nail on the head. You, you, you picked a good topic. Because um, when I did a show, that show I'd mentioned, Cyber Six, um, I had a phone call from the producer who said, are you willing to talk to a family? And I said, what about? And this was quite some years ago. And they said, uh, our autistic child, who's 10 years old, a girl, um, we don't know what's happened, but a miracle actually for us has occurred. And we wanted to thank you. And I, I mean, of course, it's not me. I, I, I mean, perhaps I'm part of it. <clears throat> but what happened is this girl was very, very severely autistic. And so a lot of the times um, the, the parents would have her sit in the te- front of the television and she enjoyed certain cartoons. Uh, and for some reason, she fixated on the series Cyber Six. I don't know if it was my voice, I don't know what it was, but it was my particular character. Uh, She was not able to string two words together or a sentence together at all, and um, it was difficult for everyone. Uh, And long story short, uh, after watching the series, I don't know how how many times or what what that was about, but she was literally able to recite Cyber Six's lines verbatim and be able to relate that Cyber Six's best friend, uh, which was a panther called Data Seven. Um, the story is that when they were kids, Data Seven was a little boy and she was a little girl and, and he slipped off a cliff and he, oh. he, he, he died. But this mad scientist, Von Richter, was able to take his consciousness and put him into a lab and created a black panther that was supposed to be a killing machine. And so it turned out the Black Panther was assigned to take out Cyber Six. And then they recognized each other when they looked at each other's eyes. They recognized, oh my gosh, that's my little, it was a little brother actually, I think. And so this autistic child somehow was not only able to recite these lines verbatim, but she was also then able to understand that he was her little brother. So she, didn't I, I guess she called him little brother, but she then referred to Cyber Six as a big sister on her own. Hmm. And this was a, a miracle because this child couldn't even speak, like could never speak. So they were blown away and teary, and this child was fixated on this. No one really knows. I mean, I certainly don't what it was, but they were just so happy and grateful. It was kind of a miracle. So I don't know what came of that or why. But then why do we have 10 million bronies? Yeah, that's, <laughs> right? that's really amazing. 
And there's the magic, yeah. right? So that was fulfilling and quite unique. I mean, even I, you know, I had, I was, I had quite the normal childhood, but I have lots of attachments to lots of stuff in my childhood and that even in weird ways still affect me to this day. So, mm -hmm. I mean, even, even, you know, mundane things are really, mm -hmm. well, it's the visceral, it's yeah. the stuff that makes us human that we can't explain. And that's why to me, the mind is not enough. So we have our last two questions. Mm -hmm. First one's easy. What is your favorite cookie? Oh, my favorite cookie. Um, I see a good old-fashioned chocolate chip, a gooey chocolate chip cookie. Mm, you got to grab some out of this room over here. They're so good. <laughs> I'm there. I'm there. Oh, yeah. I, I think that's it. Um, I think we might cause a little stir here. But uh, as a furry, I, I don't know the answer to this. But clearly there is an answer. Which pony is, is best pony? Spike. Spike? Yeah, I, I, I agree to that. <laughs> Outside of Spike, right? <laughs> No, well, no, people I have asked me that. People have asked me that, and, and Fluttershy is kind of always uh, who I love. I mean, mm. she's so sweet. She loves animals. She's very innocent. She's a little bit on the shy, uncomfortable side, but she's sweet. And um, but Pinkie Pie is really wearing on me now in a good way. <laughs> she's just so nuts, and I like her pinky sense. Mm. <laughs> I can relate to that. <laughs> well, I can and I can't. So those two and Spike. Well, thank you so much for coming. My on. pleasure. We have, thank we you. We've been excited for this forever. So awesome. So hopefully everyone had a good time listening to Kathy here at BabsCon. Thank you, every pony. Yeah. And non ponies, right? Not non ponies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're furries, furries. Too. Yeah, thank, thank you. you every, it's thank okay. You every furry. <laughs> that thank you so much. That doesn't roll off the tongue quite the same way. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, every furry. <laughs> One final thank you to Kathy for such a wonderful interview. It was an absolute blast. So let's talk about uh, next episode. Next episode, we are going to have a beautiful woman on our show to which you can ask all your burning questions. Uh, originally, we conceived this as guys can ask women questions about why women do the things the way they do because men are from Mars and women are from Venus or something. I can't remember how that goes. Uh, so we are working on procuring our guest and... You can send in any question about, why do women do things this way? We want So education is good. Information is good. Uh, Rue will be back with us next episode because it won't be a special. And I think that's it. So, goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Thanks for listening. We have fun. You guys need to go next year. It's a lot of fun. Bring your fursuits. We need more furries. We will see you in two weeks. Are you still under